you don't fight for things that you don't believe in and you don't suffer for things that you don't believe in. And so that's a place that, uh, man, we need, to, we need to get to the spot that we hang on to Jesus with everything in us. There is so much around us, there's so much going on. So many people pulled all kinds of different ways. The sad part is there's so many things that's called in the name of God that's pulling people in so many different ways that we need Him. We need His Spirit. We need His Spirit to give us the boldness to speak out, but we also need His Spirit so that when that Word comes to us, it lands in here and it's nurtured and it's fertilized and it's raised to bring the right kind of fruit. Can I tell you something? I've been telling you for several weeks now what times I've got to be up here. Um, this word doesn't mean anything to you and it really doesn't sink in until the Holy Spirit reveals things. It's that simple. Read it, learn it, know it, quote it. Backwards to front, you can do it in all kinds of languages, it doesn't matter, but until it gets in the heart and it starts bearing fruit, it's just nothing really. The people of the world can't understand the Word of God. They don't want to hear the Word of God. They don't understand the Spirit of God. They don't know Him. But today, I could listen to y'all singing this morning. Somebody knows Jesus. Amen. Let's give Him another praise before we get fired up this morning. I want to cover something for you today that I think it helps with a lot of the things we see going on in our world. It'll help us in our church. It'll help us in our homes. It'll help us in our individual lives. And it could be a little touchy, words of warning, but get your pencil and paper out. <coughs> Excuse me, I might have to take this little collar off. We're going to go to Romans chapter 14 is where we're going to be at. We're going to bounce around in that today. Y'all don't mind, my tie might put out a little bit while I'm doing this and when I'm wearing it. But this old big neck is kind of, yeah, that's much better. Y'all okay with that? Is that all right? Thank you. Believe it will. Thank you. Everybody is here. Make yourself the home. Kick your shoes off. Take some notes and, then, and let this come in. Romans chapter 14, it says, Receive one, one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. You ever wonder what in the world that means? What Paul is saying here, he says, in the church, we have what you would call a weaker brother. And there is in the church what we would call a stronger brother. And he's talking about some who are weak in the faith and some who are strong in the faith. Receive one who is the weak, who is weak in the faith. You see, folks in Rome in those days, they had a problem going on in the Roman church. And the problem that they had was they had Jewish people and they had Roman people. Now this word that we're getting ready to have, it, it applies, I'll help you with it later for us, but what he's touching on and what we're going to read this morning, what he is touching on is they had a couple of things that they disputed over. And he's telling them, look out for the weaker one. Help them to come along, and we're going to see he gives us some words in this. But what's happening is, is you had these people in Rome who were into idol worship before they ever got saved. Paganism. And so whenever they came into the faith, I know this by talking to Joshua in India, that's one of the things they really have to try to combat against, is people trying to bring some of this other stuff with them as they come into Christianity. So they'll try to start putting a, a Hindu spin on it. Still the word, but then they, oh, we need to throw this in. We have to be guarded against that. Because then it becomes it's not true anymore. So what these guys had was they had this problem of whenever the meat would come in, the meat would come into the meat markets. It was Actually, it was very good meat. I mean, when you're going to sacrifice something to a, a god, you give the best. So the meat that was sacrificed to this God now was on the streets and being sold 
And, you know, if you wanted a good steak, that's where you went to buy it at, and they usually sold it at a pretty good cost. But these people that had, been, had come out of idol worship, they had a problem. And they said, wait a minute, you can't be eating this meat. It's been offered to idols. You can't do that. That's just not right. But you had the Jewish guys on the other hand. You, we're going to read it. We'll read about it. You could be scamming through it. I mean, what about 20-some verses there? And they're basically saying, now, wait a minute. Now, we, all, we know that idols are nothing, right? Yeah, I could worship this speaker here. And, you know, and that's what the Hindu they do. They find something, start worshiping. Before long, you've got 20 people gathered around, bowing down and saying all these chants and things like that, like it's a God. It's nothing. Therefore, what's being offered to it really is not unclean. That's what they were telling them. And by the way, we're being good stewards. We're getting cheap meat and we're getting good meat. Come on over to the house and eat. So these two groups were not seeing eye to eye on this. But you could understand, really, looking at it from this and what I've explained to you, you can understand why these people that came out of paganism said, I don't want to have any part of that. They're scared to death they're going to go back to it. Then we read on and we find out that they got something going on with the days. I don't want to get a hold of myself, ahead of myself, but they were fighting over days too, arguing what was holy days and what wouldn't. That's the things that they did. But we look at this and we, we see the one that says, I am not going to participate in this meet. You know, he looks like the stronger brother, but he really is the weaker brother because he doesn't see the freedom that he has in Christ. He understands what this is about. But yet, they would sit there and they would judge one another. They would say, you ought not live that way. These guys say, no, that's okay. But we're going to learn today that we have some truths that hit us in this day and age. And, and Charlottesville could have used some of this preaching back when somebody was a kid in Sunday school, in Bible school, in church. Somebody could use some of this teaching because in some of these arguments that people make, you kind of almost can see something there and say, okay, I kind of get that. I might not agree with it, but okay, I understand where you're at. But on the other hand, the other group can do the same thing. That's what we're finding out here and what we're going to read about. So we're going to learn how to, how to deal with those who disagree with us. You think that's important? Brothers and sisters, do you think it's important today? I'm going to tell you it is, because I'm going to tell you the devil's got one chief goal. And that's to get you. And to get your babies. He wants to create division in our nation. He wants to create division inside of our businesses. He wants to create division inside of our churches. He wants to create division inside of our homes. Because he hates you. So this is a good place that we want to take a few notes and get into this because the devil has one goal. He would much rather sow disunity, say, in our church or the one up the street than to throw up a porn palace or a liquor store across the road from them. Does that make sense? He would much rather come in inside of your home and create some kind of disunity between you and your wife, you and your kids. That's what he wants to do. If we know that walking in, then we kind of have an idea about what we can face. We have an idea about what the enemy's going to come at us with. That's his chief duty. That's what he sets out to do. Psalms 30, 133 and 1 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Brethren. Brother Andy and Brother Wayne, would y'all stand up please and face everybody so that can look at you. Well, we need to wake them up. Now, let me ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you, are they brothers? Well, how do you know that? Right now, they're apart. They've got an aisle between them. How do you know that? <laughs> You know that. Are you a Christian, sir? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? Yes. He is your Lord. Yes. You're not his Lord. He's your Lord. 
You spend a lot of time trying to submit, don't you? You've been doing it for years. Me too. Well, sir, are you a Christian? Yes, sir. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord? Yes, he is. The only one. The only one. That's the it. The only one. So, the only evidence that we have right now is their claim to be believers. Because I don't know it and you don't know it. I see fruit. I see fruit. But when it comes down to it, I really, that's not my place. I have to step back and say that's between them and God. Now, they are brothers, right? So they're not biological brothers. They come from different mamas and daddies, but yet they're brothers. They don't look alike, do they? At all. They drive different vehicles. My brother here, he drives a Ford. And my other brother here, he drives a Dodge. You all see the light one of these days. But the point is, they don't see eye to eye on some things, do they? Yet they are brothers. They don't look like twins, and they ain't twins, but they are heirs. They are heirs in Christ Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Therefore, they're heading to heaven together someday. You fellows can sit down and thank you. Now, that is unity right there. Amen. So, you see, they don't see eye to eye on maybe everything. The kind of car they drive. Oh, shoot, one of them's dressed different than the other. But they're here together. Amen. One of them sings better than the other one, probably. It's not my place to judge, but do you see what I'm getting at this morning? There's something that's different, but yet they are heirs. They belong to Jesus Christ. So you see, these things that these people in Rome were fighting about, it wasn't a matter of diet. And in, in Romans 14, 1 through 3, I'm going to read these real quick. It says, receive one who is weak in the faith. That would be the weaker brother. But not to disputes over doubtful things. Don't argue about doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. There's not a separate place in heaven for the Ford drivers and the, and the Dodge drivers. Okay? And he's telling these people here, he's saying, you know, some Christians who were saved out of idol worship, they, they wouldn't eat these things. And they, like I told you, they, they had a problem with it, but yet the younger brothers would say, you know what, a cow is a cow, a sheep is a sheep. You know, God's made it clean. It's clean. I'm going to eat it. And they had this problem with this thing. So I'm going to ask you, when it comes down to what to eat, who was right? Don't answer that unless you want to stand up and shout out. You can. But who was right? Obviously somebody had a problem with it. In Romans chapter 14 and 5, here's the next problem they had. It said, one person esteems one day above another, and another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. And he who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat, and he gives thanks. Those people that came out of the Jewish tradition, the tables were turned now. They didn't have a problem eating the meat. They're like, I know the, the idol's nothing, but yet they had their feast days. And so they had to drag that with them into Christianity. And so they said, you must keep these days. You remember they had, a, had an argument over about whether you'd be circumcised or not. And they said, we have to keep these days. Well, these other guys who weren't a part of that, they understood the paganism, but they're like, you know, a day's a day. Every day is holy. 
365, every day is holy. Can I tell you that? Can you agree with me on that this morning? Whether you're sitting here in this church, whether you're on your job tomorrow morning, whether you're at the hospital visiting somebody, whether you're at a funeral tomorrow, whether you're sitting on your back deck with a cup of coffee and a nice book, every day is a holy day. Amen? And that's what these people, they would argue over these things. Let me ask you something. That's what they were divided over, diets and days. Can you imagine? Who was right? Oh, yeah, I think that's in the Bible, isn't it? I'm going to tell you, it's not a matter of diet and it's not a matter of days, but it is a matter of lordship. These two men have in common something, Jesus Christ. Different mamas, different daddies, probably planter taters different, probably hoe different, probably store them different, but it's okay. And I believe you me, I have seen people fall out over stuff just like that. Just got to prove their point, got to get it out. It's a matter of lordship. Romans 14 and 8 says, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. We're not supposed to be divided over days and diets, but to be united in Jesus Christ. Anytime anybody says that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we, then we must receive that person, even if he is weak in the faith. Amen? We must receive that person if Jesus is his Lord. Because if you harm him, you are in effect in harming yourself. Because we're the body, right? If we dishonor him, then we are in fact dishonoring ourselves. And to the world, we're dishonoring Jesus Christ. When we're telling them that he wants you. You might be sitting here today and Jesus may not be your Lord and Savior. Might be your first day here. Might be your, your 25th year here. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is that today you find out who Jesus is. And I'm here to tell you, you got brothers and sisters sitting around you that's going to join you in that. So that we can grow together. <clears throat> I told Brother Murphy this morning before Sunday school. We was talking about what the, the passion of Jesus, what that really meant, what I understood. And I read the case of, for Christ back when I was like a two-month-old Christian. I still didn't even know where everything was in the Bible. I still don't know where everything is in the Bible. I'm working on it. It's like I told him, man, you know, on that, at that time, you could have told me to turn to 1 George 2, and I'd have been looking for it because I didn't know whether it was there or not. I knew nothing about the Bible. But I got to learn, and I'm still learning. We're still growing. Amen? We're still growing. And so whenever we dishonor Jesus, that's not a good thing. And you know, folks, we have the same kinds of problems today, don't we? Anybody over here fighting over food? Let me ask you something. As a pastor, I get to pass on some things to you today, and I'm not going to mention names or anything like that. It's not beneficial for nothing. <clears throat> but I can, man, excuse me, y'all, I am so sorry. You hear about all kinds of stuff, and it's real problems for people for what they're dealing with. But let me ask you something. What about Christmas? Should we celebrate Christmas? We should? Christmas trees and presents and Santa Claus and everything. The right way. Okay, I like that. You see, I hear from people all the time, I and mean, we got a world that says, let's just take Jesus out of everything, let's not do it. But we have brothers and sisters who can quote you scriptures, and they will give you things that goes back in what they've read, and, and say all paganism that is attached to Christian, Christmas. And it's true, by the way. But we come in here on Christmas Eve and do a candlelight service. Why? Because we love Jesus. That doesn't take away from Jesus. And I'm going to tell you now, I like a Christmas tree sitting up in my house. It does something for my spirit. But you will have Christians who will fall out over this kind of stuff saying, well, if you knew what Christmas was and all the paganism, you wouldn't even celebrate it. Yes, I would, because I'm celebrating it for Jesus. 
And if I know you don't like Christmas trees, you don't get to come to my house and have ham. I don't want to offend you. I like a Christmas tree. I like Christmas. I like how it makes me feel. I like to celebrate about Jesus. I enjoy preaching about the birth of Jesus. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be here today and there'd be no salvation for me. That's why I'm here. I taught my kids what it was about. And yes, I still gave them presents. But Christians will fall out over that. What about Easter? Boy, Easter's one and it's got paganism written all over it too, don't it? You folks that's visiting don't know anything. If you're not getting this, see me after church. I won't explain it to you if I'm not doing a good enough job here. But the fertility and the eggs and all this, yeah, there's paganism there. But I'm okay with that. We put on an Easter egg hunt up here on the corner. People from the community come. A bunch of y'all come out and work. I think last year we had almost 60 people there just working to help get to put this thing on. But it's so that we can now teach the people in the community what Easter is about. And you, yes, you can find an egg with a piece of candy in it. That'll be fine. I, now that's where Ken is. You may not be there, but that's what I'm talking about. We can separate over these kinds of things. Now let me ask you, who's right? Who's right about Christmas? Who's right about Easter? What about the way we worship? Now did we not have good praise and worship this morning? Wasn't that special? Oh, praise God. Let's give the Lord praise right now for it. It, it felt good. Now, I just asked you to clap your hands, and you clapped your hands. Now, you know what? Christians will fall out over that, too. What kind of music you play, what kind of instruments you use, should we clap in church or should we not clap in church? Uh, when we're here in October, and then Lynch Station Men's Group here, and they're going to sing some songs, and I'm going to tell you they will bless you if you will let Lord, the Lord work. When they get done singing, I'm going to do this, and you know why? I'm giving God praise, because you know what? I could be doing something else. And if he leads me and says, you know what, Donnie Miller's got a problem, so you better not clap. I do not want to make Donnie Miller stumble, so I am not going to clap then if God tells me. But I'm not clapping for Donnie. I'm clapping for Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't have those songs. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be joining together. So you see, we can, we can have these issues, and we got these issues happening right now around us. Psalms 47.1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Now, you go to some churches, and you stand up and get ready to raise your hands or start clapping, and, you know, remember that lady I told you about last Sunday? You know, she looks at you down her nose. She's going to turn around and look at you down her nose. And that's Okay. If that's how she feels, that is fine. Right? Is that an amen or not? I'm not going to tell her what she should do, but she don't need to tell me what I should do. It's okay, because in this issue, it doesn't matter. It's, it's kind of like diets and days, isn't it? Oh. We come to matters of dress. I just unbuttoned my tie here just now. Now, what if I were to, and I ain't going to do it because my shirt's probably wrinkled, but what if I were to take my jacket off and move around? But you, what I'm telling you is for some people that's an issue. What if I was up here in slacks and a polo shirt, maybe a sport jacket on or no sport jacket? Do you see what I'm talking about? I know this has got to be hidden. Do you see what I'm talking about? So we can have these kinds of things too. We want people to come in here that can love Jesus and we can teach them to. And guess what? Some people it takes longer to learn. Can anybody witness to that? We said this morning, Sister Susie, you pointed out in Sunday school this morning, if you fail the test the first time, God's faithful. You get to take it again. And if you was miserable in the test the first time, get smart, learn what he's trying to teach you. Otherwise, you get to take it again. And you get to take it again. And you get to take it again. Why? He's long-suffering. He's patient. He loves us. Amen? Amen? So, what about a bake sale? Can we have a bake sale in the church to raise money for missions? 
Well, one day one guy thinks so. We do it. <laughs> as long as Denise is making the cake, because Denise makes good cake. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I hear about those kinds of things. Can we sell the cake? Should we go over there and sell it? Can I tell you a simple secret, guys? Before you all showed up in here, this was not hallowed ground. This is a building. It becomes hallowed when Jesus walks in with you. Amen? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be. Does that make sense? So can we sell cookies in here? Sure we can. We're not trying to rape people for nothing. We're saying, look, we're raising funds for missions. We're raising funds for the children. And I'm going to tell you now, it doesn't matter if, if, the, if the table with the cookies on it is at Eddie's house up on Main Street in Bedford at the back room or over there. It doesn't matter. Amen? And you may not agree with me, but I'm making a point this morning. These are the kinds of things that we can fall out over. Show me in the Bible where I can't. Do you see what I'm talking about this morning? What about movies? Depends on the movie. I went and seen The Passion of Christ at the movie theater in, in Roanoke with my wife. It was our date nights. First time I ever cried on a date. But she did too. See, the place is not what's going to tear you down. The proximity to something that, you know, two days ago was showing another kind of movie. What matters is, is what's going on there. Is, was that something that was uplifting? Do you understand what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters? Because you ain't just going to be in here. You're going to work tomorrow. You're going around people. My son talked about going to school this week. He said, it's a lot different than faith Christian. But that's not going to taint him unless he allows that to happen. Amen? So he has those choices to make. So who's right? Watch the Passion of Christ at uh, Regal Cinema in Rono, or Lynchburg or watch it on the big screen here in church when it comes out on DVD. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, we're not going to be showing R-rated movies in here because we don't want to go there. Do you want to go there when you're not in church? If that's the case, we've got some other issues going on. What about a prom or a senior banquet? Something we talk about at the school board with faith. Years ago, they started having a senior banquet. They didn't call it prom, they called it senior banquet. Now, this is outside of the church walls, right? And so they wanted to give the kids something so they could get a gown and dress up and the boys could put their tuxedos on and they could go have a meal. They could have some fellowship time together, but they put the restrictions on it. And over time, the restrictions is, well, you've got to come in and let me check your dress out first. Got to make sure it's appropriate. And then we have all these other things going on where you can't dance. You did all these things, and it's turning into something that's more and more like. But I'm going to tell you, when you start to try to start policing stuff, it's hard. When you try to start policing stuff and people's paying you $10,000 a year to go there, sometimes it's a little hard to say, no, you can't wear that dress, or no, you can't do this. Do you know what I'm talking about? So you have a prom or a senior banquet. Why, that's more like the world. But it's okay to go to Virginia Dare, and it's okay to do a square dance with bluegrass music. Help me with that. Let me ask you something, folks. Who's right? I'm telling you about the things that comes up in our lives and what happens with us. Some people look at the preacher and say you should preach more, you should pre preach less on, on adultery, you should preach more, you should preach less on, on abortion, you should preach more, you should preach less on the social issues of the day, you should preach more, you should preach less on the political issues of the day. Keep it away. I get both of them. I get my orders from him. And that's it. That simple. What he says is where I'm going because I trust him. I'm going to hold on to him. But you hear those things, let me ask you, who's right and who's not? And that becomes the debate of the day, and the devil likes to come in, and he likes to get into the place, because that's where the crack lies. 
And I want to tell you now, if you let him come in, he will destroy you. Or you're going to have a hard time fighting him out. So that's the thing that we have to look at. You see, you can get an argument over any one of these things and a lot more that I didn't even talk about. And I'm not talking about the bad people. I'm talking about good people and the things that are doubtful. It depends on how you want to look at it. See, we, we can be mature enough to understand that we can be brothers without being twins. These two guys weren't twins, but they are brothers. We don't have to do everything exactly alike. And we can agree to disagree. And we can respect the other person's opinion and not judge that other person. Let me give you five, five, four reasons why we are not to judge our brother. His salvation, your brother's salvation, is of God. Romans 14 and 3. Let not he who eats despise him who, do, who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Folks, if that man has received Jesus Christ, we must receive him. Another reason why that we don't judge our brother, because his service is for God. Romans 14 and 4. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or fails. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. You may not like the kind of music that he sings. You may not like the kind of witnessing he does. You may not like the kind of preaching that he does. But I'm going to tell you right now, he's doing it for God and he don't have to answer to you. You don't have to answer to me. He is going to answer to God someday. I will answer to God someday. Amen? Amen. Let God do the judging. That's what his job and not ours. And that's why we have Romans 14. If you, His growth is in God. Look at 14.4, the last part of that. He will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. You see, if God saved him and if he is saved, his growth is going to come only from God. I'm teaching this morning and it may not be coming in. It's only the Holy Spirit that's going to help it come in and help us to grow. It's only, his growth is only going to come from God because God is able to make a person to stand. We don't get to decide that. Amen? And that means, we, we, well, I'll just be careful. His judgment will come from God, and so will mine. Romans 14 and 10. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. One of these days, folks, I'm going to have to stand before the, the Lord, before his judgment seat. One of these days. And I'm going to have to give an account over everything that I've mentioned this morning. Every time I've opened my mouth, I'm going to have to give an account to the Lord for it. Amen? And instead of judging one another about these things that are doubtful, questionable, I guess, all of us should be preparing to meet Jesus. If God has received him, Let God do the judging, because that's where we keep from getting ourselves offended. This is a segue into where we're going next week. We're going to talk about offense for many, many weeks, because that's what happens. That's how we keep from being offended. We have freedom in Christ. It's all a matter of liberty. And I'm as much afraid of legalism as I am liberalism. Liberalism and legalism are opposite ends of the same sin, folks. Legalism will do as much damage, maybe even more damage, than liberalism. Look at what Jesus had to say in Matthew 16 and 6. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The leaven of them. The thing that made them float. The thing that made them proud. What was the leaven of the Sadducees? Liberalism. What was the leaven of the Pharisees? Legalism. We have to be careful of that because Jesus even told us, beware of that leaven. Now we have been given liberty to choose in these matters and a lot of these things, but that doesn't mean that we can violate our consciences. Matthew, or Romans 14 and 13 says, Therefore look 
Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything unclean, to him it is unclean. Now what does that mean? God has given me the responsibility to come to him and to seek him out. That's what that means. And I come as an individual. I don't come for you, I come to him. And I come for myself, me only. And if there is something that is wrong or something that I think is wrong, the best thing for me to do is to leave it alone. You understand what he's saying here? Look in verse 23, he says, um, But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. What he's saying here is if it's wrong in your mind, stay away from it. Don't go there. Don't do it. Because if I do, and I think it's wrong, I have sinned, by the way. If I thought I could walk out that door right now, but yet it's not okay for me to walk out that door again myself, see, that doesn't have anything to do with how we function in the church. But if God says, no, I'm not telling you to go out that door, and I know he's telling me, but I go walk out it anyway, now I have a defiled conscience. I have sinned against myself. I have put this in the place now that I didn't listen to God. If I don't think it's right in here, I don't do it. Amen? We hear about, uh, we hear about people talking about all kinds of things. We hear people talking about drinking and things like that, social drinking. I, for one, am against it. I will preach against it as best that I possibly can, but you get to make the decision. I'll tell you that gossip is wrong. You get to make your decision on that. It is wrong. But that's where it comes down inside of our consciences. Romans 14 and 14, the last part, to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. You know, there's a guy one time, he went and asked his wife from the other room, says, My dress, is this dress shirt clean? She was over in the other room. She yelled, yelled back and said, no. He come out a few minutes later putting on a different shirt. And he said, you didn't even come in there. How did you know? She said, well, if you had to ask, if it wasn't, it wouldn't. Does that make sense? Follow your conscience. Let your conscience be where it is. Romans 14 and 15. Yet if a brother is grieved because of your food, you no longer are walking in love. Do not destroy your with your food, the one whom Christ died. What Paul is saying here, that we just have to leave some of these things alone. Not because they harm you, but because they may harm someone else. Okay? I'll give you an example here in a minute that will help close some of this stuff up. How we're supposed to face things is with love, folks. And that's that simple. Romans 14 and 15. I'm going to read a lot of these over again. But if, you, if, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Did you see that? You are no longer walking in, in love. Do not destroy with your food whom Christ has died for. Don't, don't make your brother stumble. Walk in love. Walk in love. In verse 16 it says, Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Is it really worth losing peace and joy in the Holy Spirit over some things that would be questionable? Is Christmas okay or not? Have just a small program with the kids or have a big something that somebody wants to put together, a big program. Does it really matter? Who's right, who's wrong? Is it worth losing a brother over? Is it worth, and that's what the Bible's telling us, don't you make your brother stumble over this? Don't make him stumble. Over some things, it's no big deal eternally. How do we react to our weaker brother? I must not give my brother reason for stumbling in, in verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. Do you know what I'm supposed to do, folks? I'm to be very easy on you and very hard on me. 
Most of us ain't like that. I'm very critical of you, Danny, and easy on me. That's how most of us live, but we're not supposed to live that way. That's not what the Bible teaches us. And this is a teaching moment for us. You may be going to face something in two or three weeks, folks. You may be going to face something in six months. God's giving you what you need to have to go fight the devil because I promise you this, he will come and knock because he hates us. He hates us. He wants to tear us down. As individuals, as families, units, as church units, as communities, he wants to tear us down. The question that I need to ask is could it cause somebody else to stumble if I'm going to do it? That's how I need to be looking. In verse 24, it is good neither to eat meat nor to drink wine nor to do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. I have to do this not to condemn a man. If he does any of these things, I've got to love him. I don't have the right to say that he doesn't love God. I don't have that right. I don't have the right to tear him down over these things. But I do have a responsibility to say that I'm not going to do it. I have a responsibility. You see how this plays. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If we're going to argue over whether to have Christmas or not, it's best to avoid it. I don't want to make you fall. Danny, you don't believe in Christmas and Christmas. He does really, but he's my example this morning, and I believe different than you. Let's just stay away from it. It's just going to cause trouble. He's not going to go to hell over it, neither am I, but we will if we fall out with each other. We're going to get ourselves in trouble with God. I am my brother's keeper. It's that simple. I'm to look out for my brother. I must not give my brother reason for starving. If your brother, in verse 15, is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. I don't want to do things that's going to hurt other people. I know I have done things that's hurt other people. I've done the best that I possibly can to go and receive forgiveness. But that's not my responsibility. All I can do is ask. they got to give it. All you got to do is ask me. i got to give it. That's how it works out. But I have to do everything I can to not make my brother stumble and fall. Because you see, if he's grieved, that's not a good thing. If sweetie's grieved, that's not a good thing. If she's grieved about something, then it hurts our whole household. Amen? If you're grieved about something, it hurts your whole household. And it's the thing that we're supposed to allow God to come in and to help us. Do what Romans 14 says. Remember I told you, we got to do the book, folks. This is hard sometimes. I understand that. And we must not give our brother reason for striving. In verse 19, therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Let us not do things to divide people, but things that will unite people. My job is to build you up, not to tear you down. Your job is to build me up and not to tear me down. We need to be so careful that we don't judge one another because, you see, folks, we don't have all the facts. Let me tell you a little story, and then we're going to wrap up. What if I got through preaching today, and somebody sitting in this auditorium this morning says, Pastor, I need to see you. Let's go over to your office. Now, I'm going to tell you now, if you're a lady or a young person, we're going with somebody else. You might as well get ready for that. But if it's one of you men, you come to me and say, Brother Willie, we're going to throw him under the bus now. He says, Pastor, I need to talk to you because i got something I'm dealing with. And we go over in that office and we break down and start praying and God starts working. He was convicted all through the service this morning, maybe. He pulls out a fifth of whiskey. Lays it on the desk and says, I'm leaving that here. I ain't picking this stuff up no more. I'm leaving it with you. I don't want it no more. Praise God. Amen. Somebody just saw the light. Where's the pastor sitting now? He walks out of the office and comes, goes home, sees Miss Margaret, gives her some sugar, and fixes her a sandwich. And I'm sitting in the church office with a, with a pint of whiskey. <laughs> you see, we don't always have all the facts. 
Now, what am I going to do with it? I can't just hide it in the drawer. The only other person has got a key is Charlie, but now Charlie goes in there. Well, the next time pastor calls us to Charlie, we need to do this, he probably ain't going to want to talk to me because I'm a drunk. Now, I pray he's strong enough in the Lord. He'll call me and say, hey, man, what's going on here? And then we can call Willie and we can establish what the truth is, but the point is, maybe he ain't the one that goes in and sees it. Maybe it is a weaker brother. Now it's a problem. So I take it and I stick it in my little briefcase over here and everybody, y'all come by and check my briefcase before you leave. There's no whiskey in it. You're welcome to look. I got nothing to hide. But I stick it in there because I already know if I walk out carrying that bottle of whiskey in my hand, some of y'all ain't never coming back again. You quit watching preaching even on TV. So I've got to do what now? I've got to hide it to save you. Because I don't want to tell people it's really yours. You came to me in confidence. You meant for me. And so, but Danny here, he might be weak. He's already might have a problem with me. And he sees the bottle of whiskey. That's the icing on the cake. So now I've got to hide something to look out for my brother. Well, shoot, I get out in the car now. What am I going to do with this? I can't throw it over in Eddie's yard. I don't want people looking bad at him. So I say, well, I'm going to go down here somewhere and I'm going to dump it. Well, about the time I pull out on the road, what's going to happen in my brain now? I've got a liquor bottle in my vehicle. I'm driving. What if I'm in a wreck? Now it's going to be on the newspaper that the preacher down at Huddleston was drinking and driving, all because I'm helping a brother. You see what sometimes we're going to go through to help our brothers along. That's the picture we're trying to paint this morning. But somebody sees me, I get down there next to my house, nobody never comes out my road. These three houses out there and it's just us that come. Sometimes Justin them comes out when they're going fishing and stuff. But what if Justin's coming down the road this afternoon going to go fishing? I'm out of the car. I didn't hear nothing coming. He's got a loud truck, so I usually could probably hear him. But Let's say he kicked it out of gear or something, cut the engine off, drifting down a hill. Now all of a sudden I'm over here at the edge of the woods. Justin comes by. You don't have all the facts. Sometimes we don't need all the facts, brothers and sisters. Sometimes we just got to do what the book says, and the book says, I'm not going to be a stumbling block from you, for you, and you say, I'm not going to be a stumbling block for you. Do you see what happens now with Christmas and Easter? Do you see what happens now with music and dress? Do you see what happens now with prom or banquet? Do you see what happens with all these things? I won't want to be your stumbling block. You don't want to be my stumbling block. When we get stronger in Christ, maybe we can sit down and talk. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Let us reason together. Let us reason together. Wouldn't it be a wonderful church if everybody in the church was walking so carefully that we didn't want to do anything that would cause anybody else to stumble? And on the other hand, that we didn't wrap ourselves in sanctimonious robes and start judging everybody else about the way they work or the way they sing or the way they preach or the way they speak or the way they do this or the way they do that. But we just all began to praise God together in love. Wouldn't that be great? Is that the kind of church you guys want? Now some of y'all have talked to me about some very personal things and I've done everything that I can. I'm not going to take it outside to no one else. I'll take it to Jesus with you. And I thank God for that, that we can have those conversations before deliverance happens. But I want it to be that way that we all can talk with one another, minister to one another. And you know what? The devil's going to be mad but he don't get to win as long as we do the book. If we don't do the book, trouble happens. Amen? Got a song on your heart? If you and I will be the kind of people
that will live this way, then we'll have that kind of church. I believe when we get to be that kind of church, we won't have to worry about whether we need to spend pennies and nickels to go out and put on programs to get people to come. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to drag them in here. He's going to show them where the light is. He's going to show them where they can be delivered from. Amen? And I believe we're pretty much at that place. I think we're right strong. We've had some rough battles over the last six years. But we've held on to the Word of God. You've got to hang on to the Word of God. You've got to put it in action. And I'm going to tell you right now, more times than not, I have laid at this altar and cried over a situation or begging God to show me what to do. I've sought out counsel from Brother Murphy, Brother Willie, Brother Shaw, and other ones. Saying, help me to see. Is there something inside of me that's blocking my vision? Help me to see. Because I want my brothers and sisters to walk away from here stronger than when they walked in the door. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He wants to know you. He wants to be your Lord. And I tell you now, He'll change your life. Are you going to know everything when you get up off of the floor, off of your knees? No, you ain't. But you'll spend the rest of your life in love with Him and learning and learning. And that's the best part of it is the promises that God tells you. The things that's in the book, you see it come true. Oh, man, that just builds your faith in God. I no longer have to look for 2 George 2. It's not true. It's not in the Bible. But I also now know that. But I didn't used to. Amen? Jesus Christ will change your life. It ain't always going to be easy walking. But I promise you this. He'll always be there. And He will always make the way. Not a way. He'll make the way. The only way you get out of the thing you're facing is you got to do it the way He says. The way. Read that in the Bible, in the Scripture. It's there. It's not a way. He, not he went away. He makes the way. There is only the way. And that's through Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to come this morning if you need to talk to Him about that. I want to ask you to come this morning if you need to rededicate your life to Him. I want you to come this morning if this Scripture or this Word this morning got into your heart and maybe the Holy Spirit has said, you know what, I love you. Let me help you work through something. Because I'm going to tell you now, the devil says pride comes before, I mean the Bible says the pride comes before the fall. The devil knows that. Pride will keep you in your seat. Pride will keep you from going to God and talking to Him. Pride will keep you in a lot of places. But I'll tell you one place that you won't get with it, and that's next to God. We don't even get an audience with Him when we're carrying that around. So this morning, all over the church, stand to your feet. Come if you need to pray about something.